Hey, good morning. Welcome to Chapel Hill. We're so glad that you are joining us for our weekend worship service. And if you're joining us live at 10 a.m. Pacific, then we would love you to engage in the live chat that's going along with this worship service. Also, in the description, just want to point out a couple of things. You can find the link to the weekly check-in, as well as a link to give online. And you're going to hear a little bit more about both of those things later on. And we're going to start our service by singing together songs of of worship and praise. And I want to invite you, wherever you are, if you're able to, would would you stand right now? Because that that sign of standing is, is giving honor to our God, who we are about to worship. And I'm going to read you a scripture that comes in a letter that one of the early church leaders wrote to a church in a city called Colossae. And this is what it says. The Son, that's Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. This is the Jesus whom we sing to. This is the Jesus who we worship. This is the Jesus who we can look to for our salvation. Let's look to him today. Oh, we look to the sun, Set our eyes on our Savior, see the image of love, sing His praises forever. Oh, we look to the sun. Sing salvation. Tearing through the dead of night See the kingdom burst into color at the speed of light Freedom shaking up the atmosphere As the shadows fade into nothing as the day of
up a hallelujah here today. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of all the glory that we're going to give him. And we're going to shout down the enemy with our song. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than Raise it up. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. I raise a In the middle of the storm, louder and louder, 
alive today. He's alive in us. Let's praise him. I'll raise him. Uniting our voices together. Sing a little louder. 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 Come on, join together. Sing a little louder. 
Lord God, we do give you praise for who you are. We raise a hallelujah, which very simply means that we praise the Lord. We praise the Lord. We lift up your name together this morning, Father, for who you are and for all that you've done in our lives. And Lord, as we acknowledge how great you are, we can't help but acknowledge how far from greatness we are, how much we still have to learn, how much we have to grow in, all the areas that we've failed. And so, Lord, we bring to you those failures from this last week. We admit, God, that we've fallen short of your glory. We ask, Lord, would you forgive us of all of our sins? Would you cleanse us of all unrighteousness? Would you make us fresh and new, new creations in Jesus Christ? Lord, we ask for your forgiveness because we know that Jesus died for our sins. We ask for new life because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And so, Lord, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear because of your wrath toward us. We have nothing to fear in our circumstances because you, oh God, are a good God who's in control and always, always has our best interest at heart. Would you forgive us? Would you cleanse us? Would you free us from fear? Would you fill us with faith and with hope? And would you help us to rest in your goodness, Father? We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Sing this with me. You unravel me with melody you surround me with a song of deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone I'm no longer a slave to fear I am a child God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's our identity in Christ. And from my mother's womb, you have chosen me, love has called my name, I've been born again into your family, your blood flows through my veins, I'm no longer, I'm no longer a slave.
longer. I'm no longer a slave to fear. We declare, I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. Would you pray with me? Father, it is such a beautiful thing to get to come to you as a son and a daughter, as those who've been given the promise that you love us and that you reached out for us. And so we know that the good news that you once preached, Jesus, when you walked the earth, that is good news for us. That is alive and well in us. And so we pray back to you the good news that you declared. You said that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And so, Jesus, thank you for coming and for proclaiming good news to the poor. In this moment of quiet, would you please pray to the Father the names of the people you know who need to know God's good news. Jesus, we know many who only have been knowing bad news in the last weeks. Would you reveal yourself and bring good news? You said, Jesus, that God sent you to proclaim liberty to the captives. So we pray liberty for the captives, Lord. First, in the quiet, would you please name before the Lord those that you know are in prison, actual prison that need freedom. Jesus, I pray especially for those in prison that COVID would not penetrate, that there would not need to be fear of getting sick. We also pray in silence for those who experience a spiritual captivity, a mental and emotional captivity. Would you please please pray freedom by name for those who are bound? Jesus, you in your good news proclaimed the recovery of sight to the blind. And so we pray for those who are physically ill. Jesus, would your good news, your your recovery be true and at work in their life. Please pray by name for those who are ill. Jesus, your word is good news that sets at liberty those who are oppressed. And so, Jesus, we pray for those who are experiencing oppression globally, internally. Please pray by name. And finally, Lord, your good news was the proclamation of the year of the Lord's favor. And so would you please join me in prayer by name for those who need to know the favor, the proclamation of blessing from their father. And Father, I particularly pray your blessing and your favor over those who are currently living alone. Lord, would they experience the blessing of the presence of the Trinity with them, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Would they experience the community of God showing up for them? 
And so, Jesus, would this be a year of good news, of good news in our community. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I mean, my name is Larry. I'm Megan. And thank you for joining us wherever you are right now, in your living room, in your office, in your bedroom, wherever you are. Thank you for joining us. If your experience this week has been like our families, you've been in front of a lot of screens. We've just, done that. Just a couple. Just a just few. Just Frozen 2. Frozen 2, Octonauts, video conferencing. It's but you fine. know what? We are grateful for however we can continue to connect together. So thank you for connecting with us right now. Yes. We want to actually invite you to tell us what your week was like. Let us know how we can pray for you. You're going to find in the description of this service three links. And the first link is for a weekly check-in. Please let us know that you're watching. Please let us know how we can pray for you. Please help us uh, connect with you. This is not a season for isolation. It's a season for connecting, and we're just doing that virtually. So check in with us. That's right. The second link that you'll find is for virtual life groups. Just like our weekend services, after the service, we usually hang out. We talk about the sermon. We want to replicate that online. So after this sermon today, you can join a virtual life group and talk about what Pastor Mark preached and share with one another what you're experiencing, what, what God is teaching you. So you can see the links there for virtual life groups in your area. You can look for one of those. You'll also see in the description uh, the questions that we are going to discuss together. So look for that. And don't be intimidated. We want to see new faces. And the, the hangouts are starting right at 11. And so we'd love for you to jump in. So please don't be timid. We'd love yeah. to see you there. The third link is going to be forgiving. And we want to give you an opportunity to practice offering. So the third link is for giving. And we'd love to see you there. Yeah. And we'll have a, a virtual giving time coming up soon. So we'll see you in just a little bit. I want to uh, pray for Pastor Mark as he brings us the message. And just hear our hearts. We really want to... Um, do life together in a different way. We're figuring it out at home, we're figuring it out online, and we're glad you're joining us. Yeah. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we pray for our brother Mark. Lord, would you anoint him with words that would be words of hope and encouragement, words that would draw us closer to you, words that would be a gift to us as we seek to delight in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Good morning, Chapel Hill. It is so good to be with you as we continue our sermon series called Defiant Hope. It still astounds me to realize that this service is going to be broadcast not only across our country, but clear around the world. I heard last week from a couple who are stationed in Okinawa how grateful they were to be able to worship with their church family here in Gig Harbor. I'm glad you are a part of that. I've also heard some really encouraging things back from from members of our church and friends of our church who have been receiving calls from our elders and our deacons and our pastors. One of our goals in this time when isolation would be so easy is to connect with you in ways that we have never done before. 
And so in this first week of this, we have sought to call every person who is connected to Chapel Hill Church to check in on you, to make sure you're doing all right, ask if there's anything that we can do for you. If you have not received that call, it might be that you haven't given us your updated information. If you will get that to us, we will be glad to reach out to you as well. Anyhow, for all of you who are worshiping with us today, it is really good to be with you. And here's what I want to tell you. I really believe that at the end of this, we have no idea how long this is going to last, short or long, but at the end of this season, I think the people of Chapel Hill are going to be connected at a heart level in ways that we never have before. God is going to do something great for this. There's going to be a renewal, maybe even a revival that comes about because of this. That is what I believe. That's what I'm praying for, and you being here to worship is just one part of that. So thanks for being with us. Hang in there. Uh, as I said last week, keep calm and, and carry on. We are in this together. All right, I want to see if you would raise your hand. How many of you heard the governor's speech last Tuesday? Okay, I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. That's great for you to participate in that way. You know, his order for us to shelter in our homes really didn't change a lot for a, for a whole bunch of us. But I couldn't help but think about my more extroverted friends, how they're starting to get a little bit of cabin fever. I talked to one young dad who described what was going on in his home with his kiddos as mayhem. And I think of a, another young woman who is, she's kind of a social animal. And so this experience of isolation actually has been really hard kind of demanding on her uh, relationally and emotionally, and not helped at all by the fact that she wasn't sure whether her husband was going to keep his job. So I know that for a whole bunch of us, this has been a hard and challenging time. But the truth is, it's a good chance for you to lean in on some of us, because for others of us, it has been less so. So I'm going to confess, I am an introvert. That might seem odd given that I'm standing up here and preaching into a, a camera, but I actually am an introvert. And it turns out I really like my wife. I like to hang out with her. I, I, it turns out we don't have any children at home, and we are able to walk down to the harbor together. And since I have been banned from coming into this building during the week because apparently I am too old, well, it's given me a chance to make hundreds of phone calls and to write more than I ever do. And so my experience of this lockdown has been way different than what some of you might be experiencing, especially if you're trying to entertain and educate those kiddos 24-7. Still, with all of that in mind, I, I want to propose a thesis this morning. And before you throw your empty orange juice glasses at the screen, hear me out on this. Here's, here's what I believe. I believe that one day we are going to look back upon this season as a once-in-a-lifetime gift. A once-in-a-lifetime gift. Because this season of enforced solitude and limited activity is actually an opportunity and even is forcing us to grapple with one of the commandments that we typically view as optional. The, the commandment that says, remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. We are, treat that commandment as an option. And today I'd like to suggest that it's as much a commandment as the other nine and why we need to revisit the value of that commandment in our life. 
You'll find this commandment in a couple of places. Exodus chapter 20, which is where we're going to turn. You could also find it in Deuteronomy chapter 5 with a few uh, different kind of words in there. But we're going to start with Exodus. You're going to see it on your screen in a moment. And so I would invite you to read this along with me. All right? So all of you, look on the screen. Read this along with me when I say go. One, two, three, go. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Father, would you speak to us through this word that we sometimes ignore, we sometimes neglect. Would you call forth the life that is there that we might engage it and believe in it in a way that we had not done for a long time? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. There was a time in the United States when Sabbath was a thing, when stores were closed, when there were few restaurants that were opened, when churches were full and sports fields were empty. Those days are long gone, at least in most parts of our country. But if you visit Israel, Sabbath is still a thing. Even though Israel is 86% secular, Sabbath, or Shabbat as they call it, is very much alive. When you greet someone during the week, you will say shalom. But when you greet someone on a Sabbath, you will say Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. So since this is our Sabbath and you're sitting with loved ones right there around you, why don't you turn around and say Shabbat shalom to each of the people with you. Go get them. Shabbat shalom. When we do go to Israel, we always fly into Tel Aviv, and I try to fly in on the Sabbath, on Shabbat, because the, air, the airport is so quiet, and the streets are abandoned. Uh, ordinarily, Israeli uh, hotels are famous for their opulent breakfasts, but not on Shabbat. On Shabbat, you're going to get cold uh, cereal, and even the cappuccino machine has a little tent draped over the top of it. Why is that? Because the very process of pressing the button on the cappuccino machine is considered work. And you don't work on the Sabbath. If you are staying in one of the high-rise hotels in Jerusalem, be sure you notice which is the Shabbat elevator, as I failed to do the first time. Otherwise, you are going to stop at every single floor on the way up and on the way down. Because, again, you're not permitted to press the button. That is work. All of this might kind of sound extreme and maybe even ridiculous to us as we're listening to that, but it's only because we have basically eliminated this commandment from our list. Most of us Americans have whittled down the Ten Commandments to nine, and we're quite content with that number. But there really were ten once, and I'd like to talk about that Tenth Commandment. There are a few things that I think are interesting, and I want to share that with you. First of all, uh, the, 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 this commandment on the Sabbath is the longest of all the commandments. There's more explanation in this commandment than any other one. 
Apparently, God felt a need to kind of pound it into our heads, and apparently, the Lord was right about that. We still haven't gotten in our heads. Secondly, this is the only commandment that has a why. We're not told why not to murder someone, or why not to commit adultery, or why not to, to lie, but this is the one that gives us a why. Why is it that we should set aside one day out of the seven to rest? And we are told it's because the Lord God who created the entire universe in six days rested on the seventh day. We're going to talk later on about what rest actually means, but what we are being told from the earliest moments of Scripture is that this rhythm of six days on and one day off, it is woven into the fabric of creation. Here's another thing I want to tell you about this commandment. It is the only one that's mentioned, the only commandment that's mentioned in the creation story in Genesis. The Lord creates Adam and Eve on the sixth day, and then guess what happens on the seventh? The Lord rests, and He invites Adam and Eve to join Him in that rest. Think about that. Adam and Eve are newly created. They haven't done a lick of work. And yet God says, the first thing I want you to do in your new life is rest. Just stop and spend some time with me. The first full day of their life was spent enjoying the Lord, enjoying each other, enjoying life. And notice that the gift of the Sabbath, rest preceded the gift of work. In other words, Whatever rest means, it doesn't just mean that we are recovering from being exhausted because of all the hard work we have done. In fact, the prophet Isaiah talks about a Sabbath in a way that we might not think of it often. He says that Sabbath is a delight. We need to relearn the idea of Sabbath as a delight, as a gift. Real Sabbath rest means to learn to delight in, to bask in the love of God, the love of our loved ones and the love of life, that's what Sabbath really is about. And here's the fourth thing that I would say about this commandment. It is the only one that not only do we not obey it, we consider it virtuous to disobey it. When someone says, ah, oh, I can't possibly keep a Sabbath, I have too much work to do, everyone listens in and they nod approvingly. I'm reading a, a great book called Subversive Sabbath by a guy named A.J. Swoboda. Uh, he's a pastor, and he has some harsh things to say about other pastors who are workaholics. You'll, maybe you'll see it on the screen. Here's what he said. If I were to cheat on my wife, I would lose my job. If I stole from the church, I would be run out of town. If I lied about the church finances, I would be in huge trouble. If I worshipped another god... I'd be removed. There are nine commandments that if I chose to break, I might lose my ministry over. But if I did not keep a Sabbath day, I would probably get a raise. All too true. The word Sabbath or Shabbat means literally stop. Just stop. Just stop doing the stuff that you do these other six days of your life. Just stop and rest and refresh and do the things that give you life. This rhythm of seven-day rest is actually echoed in other places in the Old Testament. Did you know that there was a Sabbath year? The seventh year was supposed to be the year that was set aside for the fields to lie fallow so they could recover and restore. And then there was the 49th year, seven times seven, 49 years. It was called Jubilee. And on the year of Jubilee, 
Every debt was forgiven. Every slave was released. And every piece of land was returned to its original owner. This commandment of Sabbath, which we so neglect, was actually revolutionary. At the time, every other world religion viewed humans as slaves who were created to provide nonstop labor for the pleasure of the deities. When the Israelites were in Egypt, they never got a day off. They never got a Sabbath. They worked all the time. So this idea that God would say, I want my children to take a rest every week. I want them to relax and enjoy me and enjoy each other and enjoy life. Utterly unprecedented and absolutely revolutionary. This need has actually been built into our human DNA, whether we know it or not. Back in, eight, in 1793, France decided that they were going to de-Christianize the calendar. And so in order to up productivity, they went to a 10-day work week. They even invented clocks that would reflect this new reality that they had invented. Well, how did that work out for them? Productivity actually took a dive, suicide rates skyrocketed, and people were burned out. It didn't work. In, by contrast, there's a group in our country called Seventh-day Adventists. And of course, they are rigorous and strict in, in observing a, a weekly Sabbath. And it turns out that Seventh-day Adventists live, on average, 10 years longer than the rest of us. Which is very interesting because if you add up the number of Sabbaths that an Adventist will keep in the course of his life, guess how many that would be? About 10 years worth. In other words, this seventh-day rhythm is built into us by God, and we ignore it at our peril. And boy, do we ignore it. There's nothing sacred about the Sabbath anymore for most Christians. We work, we play, we shop, we consume, we worry on the Sabbath day, the seventh day, the same way that we do every other day. We are, most of us, flagrantly violating this commandment, and not only do we not give it a second thought, we actually consider it virtuous. Which brings us back to our present moment. For the first time since I was a child, we are experiencing something like an enforced Sabbath in our life. Not one day a week, but seven days a week. Restaurants are closed. Schools are closed. Sporting events have been canceled along with the seasons. We are sheltering at home with our families. We are homeschooling our kids. We're trying to come up with new ways to keep our kids entertained and keep our marriages healthy every single day. It almost feels like the Lord is inviting us to make up for decades of ignoring what He intended to be one of the greatest of His gifts to us, the gift of Sabbath. This invitation to stop and just delight. I know for many of you, the longer this quarantine drags on, the less restful and the less delightful it becomes for you. But I would like all of us to look at this from a different perspective for just a moment. If you were told that you had 30 days to live, how would you want to spend that month? Would you want to take on another work assignment? Would you want to close another big deal? Would you want to go on a shopping spree or a drinking binge? 
If you had 30 days left, most of us would say, I want to surround myself with my family. I want to spend every moment I can drinking up their love and their affection. I, I want to ask deep questions and speak deep words of affection and pray and play and cry and promise and dream and simply be together. And isn't that what most of us would do? In other words, it might look very much like what every one of us is being forced to do presently. And so what I want to ask, is there any way that we can view this lockdown in some ways as a gift and not just an imposition? Is there a way that we can allow this enforced solitude to reshape our hearts, to reshape our habits, so that we might regain or gain for the first time this life-giving power of Sabbath for ourselves and for our families. John Mark Comer is a pastor down in Portland, and he's recently written a very good and very troubling book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And in it, Comer describes what he calls our pathological busyness and our cancerous restlessness. Those are powerful words. We are so addicted, he says, to our plugged-in, multitasking frenzy that we find it impossible to quiet ourselves, even for a moment, much less for an entire day every week. Again, the word Sabbath means stop and delight. And I wonder if there are things that we could practice stopping so that we could begin to delight in other things, better things. And so I'm just going to give you a few ideas. There, you'll have others, I'm sure. But let me, let me take a run at a few. First of all, I would say, stop neglecting your time with God and delight in getting to know Him. The devil uses the frenetic nature of our everyday life to convince us that we are too busy to pray, too busy to read the Bible. Corey Tinboom once said, the devil, if he can't make us bad, he will make us busy. And perhaps in this quieter season when some of our busyness has been slowed a bit, maybe it would free us up to begin to engage God on a daily basis in the way we have never done before. Give it a try. Read the Gospel of Luke along with Pastors Larry and Megan. Pray with Pastor Ellis in the, in the morning. Memorize Philippians chapter 4. It is my favorite and it's so powerful. Begin to pray more intentionally for people that you know, especially those who have been stricken by this virus or who are facing joblessness. Why not use this opportunity of Sabbath to, to develop new rhythms, new patterns of life, of study and prayer that will delight you and that will delight your Heavenly Father too. That's a good starting point. Here's another stop. Stop taking that great spouse of yours for granted and delight in the gift that they are to you. I, I said earlier, I like my wife a lot. I like to hang out with her. And it is still easy for me to take this remarkable woman for granted. And one of the gifts of these recent days has been spending more time with her and being reminded once again of her incredible quiet presence. And we have had such good conversations and taken walks and we've cooked together. She is making a lot of bread, and I'm eating it. That's my contribution. I'm getting fatter as the days pass by. 
we are even learning Portuguese together so that we can communicate with our new Brazilian daughter-in-law. And if that comes as a surprise to you, it's because you didn't read my blog last Monday when I told everyone that our son, Cooper, married his beautiful Brazilian girlfriend, Deb, last Friday. Surprise! We'll have a party later on. Because Cindy is my best friend, I'm finding this extended time with her to be a blessing, a delight. Of course, some of you right now might not say that your spouse is your best friend at this moment. And I wonder if this enforced togetherness might be an opportunity for you to start over. You can't hide from each other. So instead, why don't you lean into that? Speak a word of kindness every day. Perform an act of love every day. Sleep in an extra hour and cuddle in the morning. Try to remember all of the things that made you fall in love with this person in the first place. Can you think of a better way to invest these down days than to be renewed in your delight with your spouse. I would say one other thing, too, as I'm thinking about all of this. If you are a single person, I, I can't even imagine what you are feeling right now, what it's like to be locked down in isolation. One man who is a, a single guy said, you know, social distancing is my reality. And that, that was painful to hear that. Uh, maybe this would be an opportunity for you to be reached out by you to, from your church or for you to reach out to family or friends that you haven't talked to in the longest time. But I, want you, I, w- I am praying that the Lord will protect you from the, the loneliness, the particular acute loneliness that this isolation could bring to you. Here's another Shabbat, another stop. Stop binging on electronics and begin to delight in the real world that is right there with you. I'll say it again. I said it last week. Turn your TVs off, especially your news channels. They are twisters of the truth for the purpose of selling their products. They profit from your gullibility. They are fanning what is a very concerning health issue into a hysterical wildfire. And the only way that you take away their power is to take away their power. Turn them off. And by the way, while we're at it, stop being at the mercy of your smartphone. What a horrible name for that device. In the book, Comer writes that the average iPhone user touches their iPhone 2,617 times a day. And because we now have the knowledge of the whole world at our fingertips, our memories are growing worse and our attention span is shrinking. Back in 2000, the, you, the attention span of a human being, of an American, was 12 seconds. Today, our attention span is 8 seconds. To put that in perspective, the attention span of a goldfish is 9 seconds. So, we are more distracted than a goldfish. I'm telling you, we have become addicted to those phones. And if you don't believe it, then prove me wrong. Turn them off. Turn them off for 24 hours. Move them off of your bedside stand to the farthest reaches of your home. When you get up in the morning, don't make that the first thing you look to. Look to God's Word first, and only then will you check in on your telephone. All right, lastly, I want to say something to those of you who have little ones at home. Here's what I would say to you. Take delight in discovering what Sabbath could mean to your family. 
I realize that unlike empty nesters, your days recently have been anything but quiet. You're cooking more than you ever cook. You can't take your kids to the park. You can't bring a sitter in to give you a break. You're trying to come up with all these creative ways to keep your kids occupied and going a little bit crazy doing it. So this idea that I'm throwing out here, this idea that every day could be a bit of a taste of Sabbath, probably seems like a complete joke to you. So how about this? How about if you decide to take one day a week as a Sabbath? Just one. You know, like God commanded us to do. With sports gone, with school gone, with shopping gone, with businesses gone, could you possibly have enough margin to explore what one day of stopping might look like, to begin creating new patterns, new habits, new rhythms for your life that might carry on in the rest of your life? What are the things that you hate to do that don't give you life? Stop doing them on the Sabbath. Stop making your beds that day. Don't wash your dishes. Let them just pile up that day. Find out what everyone in your family wants to do and gives life to them and do that together. If you've got a four-year-old, maybe it means making jello and, and, and getting your hands dirty in the jello. Maybe it means taking a hike. If it's the tunes, it would mean making Swedish pancakes as part of your uh, Sabbath break, breakfast. Or maybe this is the day, now hold on to your whatever, maybe this is the day when no one, including your kids, has any screen time. I know, unthinkable, right? But you do recall that 20 years ago, there was no such thing as screen time. And somehow kids, without devices in their hands, managed to emerge relatively unscarred emotionally. And especially, I would say, for that new venture into Sabbath, discovered the delight of worshiping together even from afar. It was so fun to see like 630 families worshiping with us last week. I got a picture from the Davidsons. They were doing just that week, just that. They were sprawled out all over their couch and raising their hands up at the end of the service to receive the benediction. I want to close with one last thought. I think that Jesus might have fought with the religious leaders over the Sabbath more than just about any other thing they fought about. They just did not like the fact that he was not the legalist, that he did not do the Sabbath the way that they told him he ought to do. In fact, he really got things fired up at one point when he said, listen, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. I created the Sabbath. I'm the one that decides what is good for the Sabbath and what is not. So don't tell me how to live the Sabbath. That was an amazing assertion. Later in the book of Hebrews, Jesus is described as our Sabbath rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. In other words, if you're a believer in Jesus, our Sabbath keeping is no longer just about obeying a commandment, although it never stopped being a commandment. It means now that the spirit of our Sabbath rest resides within us. And we have the freedom and the power and the, and the experience that is, is true Sabbath. What Sabbath really is all about. It's not rule keeping, but it is a delightful, deep, and restful relationship with God and with each other. If you are missing that, maybe this season will be the chance for you to start. Would you pray with me? And so, Lord, I 
lift this idea to you. For many of us, it might be a new thought. And for other of us, as we think about all that we have to do, the, the thought of just stopping seems impossible. And yet you said it matters. You said it gives life. You said we ought to do it. You didn't do it just to be a killjoy. You did it precisely because you wanted to give us joy. So, Lord, there are some of us who are experiencing an enforced Sabbath, and even those day-by-day-by-day moments are going to get us, give us a taste, a hint of what we have been neglecting. There are others of us for whom the day-by-day is some pretty frantic. And yet, maybe this is the moment. This will be the day. This will be the day. One day a week. God, thank you that you like us this much. Thank you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Before you get up and leave, we've got a a little bit more worship, and I have some closing thoughts that I want to share with you in just a moment. So just stay in that cushy couch a little bit longer, and we'll continue worshiping God. Right now, we're going to take some time to give. Um, I'm loving hearing the stories of of generosity at this time. I, I heard one story this week about a young mom who heard that the Washington Floral Society was giving away all of their flowers because the events that they were, they were scheduled to give them to weren't, weren't happening anymore. And so she went really early in the morning on Wednesday and, and she got a whole bunch of the flowers that were being given away. And she made about 40 bouquets. And then she reached out to us and said, hey, hey, I want to give these to people who need them. And so our visitation team took them. And and they took them along with some encouraging notes that our kids from our church had written, as well as some groceries, and brought them to people who are in isolation or who are struggling with health issues. You know, I'm I'm loving hearing the way that people are are overflowing in generosity at this time. And, And we here at Chapel Hill are continuing to, to, to overflow the, the ministry that we have in, in generous ways. We're, we're continuing to do the work that we feel God has called us to. Just this week, 60 new people joined life groups. We're continuing with our, our Celebrate Recovery ministry. They met through Zoom on Wednesday night this week. Our high school ministry met through, through Instagram Live and had a sermon preached to them, and then they went into their small groups. And And I'm amazed at the way that God is continuing to use the work that is being done here at Chapel Hill to bless people. And so if you'd like to be a part of that, then we'd encourage you at this time to to give. And and you can do that right now by pulling out a a phone. I know Pastor Mark said turn off the smartphone, but but you're welcome to use it right now. And and you can head to the the web address that's that's right there on the screen, chapelhillpc.org slash give, or, or you can text Chapel Hill to 77977, and then you can give online or through texting. There are also some other ways to give. There's more about that in the description. You can mail in a check. There's an address there. We also have a lockbox at the church if you want to come and physically drop it, and there's more about that in the description. But we're going to take some time right now to give, and as we do that, we're going to sing one final song. So would you pray with me as we prepare our hearts for that? Lord, I thank you for how generous you have been to us, how faithful you have been to us. And Lord, I pray that you would stir our hearts to be generous in this season when it can be so easy to hold on tightly 
to what we have, that you would help us to let go and overflow with your love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're heaven's bond creations, his pride and adoration, treasures woven by his love. His careful hands they hold us, safe within his promise, calling and of destiny. We're heaven's bond creations. He's pride and adoration, treasures woven by His love. His careful hands they hold us, safe within His promise, calling and of destiny.
I'm so glad that you could join our worshiping community. Thanks for being here today. I want to remind you, you'll find on the description our weekly check-in, a chance for you to, link, uh, to, to click a link, either to join a, a virtual life group or to sign in to let us know that you were worshiping with us or to give or to connect with us online. Please do take uh, a look at that. And I want to share something exciting. Believe it or not, we are two weeks away from Holy Week. And on April 9th, we are going to have a virtual Monday, Thursday service. In fact, you might want to go out and buy your grape juice or your wine or your, and your bread because we are going to do communion and you're going to be distributing the elements right there in your home. It's going to be great. And of course, Easter is coming and we're planning on that as well. So it's going to be an exciting time. It's a new normal, but we are going to rise to it and I'm glad you are a part of it. Speaking of rising, why don't you raise your hands up and let's receive the blessing of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his perfect peace, both now and forevermore, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And all of God's people said, Amen. God bless you all.